So today's guest is Seb Alex. Uh, it's a bit of an interesting conversation today uh, because Seb Alex actually was invited to Greenwich as a speaker for public lecture series by a School of Design at the Faculty of Liberal Arts and Sciences. And this talk was organized by Elena Papadaki and Jovita Olzek and the School of Design. Now, before getting into the talk and before playing the conversation, I think it might be useful to add that the conversation, especially the questions, um, were asked from an intention to explore this nuanced topic rather than prescribe to an inherent set of rules which might be right. So this is uh, a very complicated issue in our modern era. And if anyone agrees or disagrees or have comments around this conversation, please do not hesitate to contact myself. The email would be there. And yeah, let's let's jump into it. So, Seb, thank you so much for coming here. Uh, we call this podcast uh, Scholars in Spotlight, but I think this might be the last one. We call it like that, and we're going to change it. So, thank you so much for coming here. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Perfect. So, uh, I... So we're going to talk about today um, sustainability. We are talking about um, veganism. We're talking mm -hmm. about food, future of food, maybe what habits we have and how we can have this debate, which seems very polarizing, but also it's just dire right now. Like we talk about it. So let's maybe start from where your story began because what we will talk today would come from a lot of your experiences so maybe it might be useful yeah. if we you know share some of yours definitely yeah? so um i'm born and raised in lebanon um and um growing up my my brother one day found a cat on the street and he brought him home and uh, my parents were very strict about uh, bringing animals uh, to live with us but eventually they let the cat stay with us and uh, i was uh, more of a fan of dogs so i was a very happy about it but the cat acted more like a dog than a cat so I was very happy with that <laughs> so I became like a big fan of the cat I really loved him and then one day my mom said you know um, she, she's considering um, removing his nails because he's destroying all the furniture uh, by or by operating him basically and I started arguing with her and we had this huge fight like over and over and over again and um, I realized that I literally had no power I mean she, she's the mother you know she, she decides what she's gonna do um, so the only option I had left, um, which is what I did, was um, launch a Facebook group against my own mom. <laughs> and, and I, I invited all my friends into the group because they all knew about the cat and everyone was leaving comments, you know, what they think about this cruel decision of my mother. And I used to read the comments out loud in the house until um, under pressure she decided not to do it. Um, so we claimed victory and the, the cat uh, managed to keep his nails. Um, and eventually... Um, one day I was talking to a friend and, and she said, you know, like, I really appreciate what you did about your cat. She was vegetarian, by the way. She's like, uh, yeah, I really appreciate what you did with your cat. But I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you're not really an animal lover. You just love your cat. Like, you still eat meat. You still eat chicken and fish. You still go hunting, you know. So when she said that, I felt very offended because I, I realized she's calling me a hypocrite. And I started arguing back. And then eventually she's like, oh, let's stop fighting. I'll show you a video and then we continue. And she showed me a 12-minute long video called Meet Your Meat, which basically consisted of slaughterhouse footage from all around the world. And at the end of the video, I was like, I had an ethical dilemma. Like, how do I really justify paying for this now? Especially knowing that I can, just like my friend, not pay for it and live healthily. And because I couldn't really justify, I became vegetarian. And I wasn't happy about it, don't get me wrong. Um, so I became vegetarian, and then for eight long years, I was vegetarian. Um... And then eventually, I mean, I was vegetarian because I didn't know more. I didn't know that something called veganism existed. Eight years after, I watched a documentary called Earthlings, which um, explains what speciesism is and actually explains every single industry that exploits animals. And speciesism is basically 
um, a type of discrimination based on the species of an animal. You know, that's that's literally what it is. So once I learned about that, I, I became a vegan as well. Great. So there are two interesting things which you mentioned. It's like how someone who wants to be maybe active towards certain things, there's like a secret which you found and uh, there's a way forward towards it. But I, I think it would be interesting to talk about speciesism a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It is very uh, strange that we do love some of the animals yeah. more yeah. than maybe our own species yeah. and then how we treat some of the species worse than maybe we treat robots somehow. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, the things we do to animals that we exploit, we wouldn't even do it to our worst enemy. We wouldn't even find it justifiable to torture a human in war like that, you know? And, and which is good. Like, I'm happy we don't justify that. But if we wouldn't even do it to someone who we think is guilty of something, why do we do it to someone who's completely innocent? Their only crime was being born in a certain species. You know, that's quite an extreme thing to do. Now, what I really find amazing about how society functions is the way that speciesism exists everywhere at all times, yet it's never talked about. It's just not on the table, you know. Um, you'd be walking down the street and someone's walking next to you um, wearing fur, wearing leather. You know, it's, 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 it's like it's not there, but it's also there at all times. In the restaurants and everywhere you go, an animal has been abused or exploited in some way or another. Um, and I believe that the reason why we don't talk about it is because we don't like it. And we don't like it because we feel guilty about it. As you said, we love like naturally we love animals and we also have a natural sense of justice so it's not necessarily about compassion you know i used to make this the the mistake of saying you know veganism is about compassion it's not at all about compassion it's about justice because you don't really have to love someone to be against them having their rights you know um like if i'm walking down the street and and someone's getting um uh, physically attacked I don't have to love them to protect them. You know, if I know that it's unjustified and, and they shouldn't be attacked or assaulted in any way, I'm going to do my best to stop it from happening. And basically what we do is we have made up this certain way of treating some animals um, different than others. For example, we do anything for our dogs and cats. But then when it comes to pigs and chickens and fish and cows and so many other animals, it's like they're no longer in our moral community which is where the cognitive dissonance plays uh, its part. And basically what I try to do is ask questions for people to realize that actually their core values and ethical beliefs align with mine. The only thing we don't have in common is the fact that their actions don't align with their core values. I do believe anyone who believes in human rights also believes in animal rights. Um, a very simple example is uh, the name the trait question. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, it's a philosophical uh, approach to it. It basically says, what is the trait that these animals are lacking that a hum if a human lacked, it would justify to treat humans the same way? You know, the, the most common answer is intelligence or self-awareness. Well, let's see if that's morally consistent. If you meet someone who's intellectually disabled, can you treat them the way we treat animals in this day and age? Of course not. If you agree with that, then you just like confirm that it's okay to massacre all intellectually disabled people or children, you know, or the elderly. If you don't agree with that, then you inherently come to the conclusion that we should abolish animal exploitation. So, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, brilliant. I mean, uh, it's it's brilliant what you are saying, and I think it would maybe more um, interesting to add a historical aspect to it yeah. because we have been guilt-ridden a lot these days and it sometimes makes it even harder to maybe move towards something which might help us, as you are saying, to see these points, maybe question mm -hmm. our, our, our habits and our uh, difference and dissonance between what ethically we believe and action-wise we yes. do. I, yes. I think it's... I think fundamentally I have that's the thing which I had problem when I was young and I growing up I would see that people would say the right things mm -hmm. but when it comes uh, maybe a responsibility or maybe a point where you have to action it the actions comes from a place of fear maybe yeah. or or a place of just um lack of initiative sometimes mostly but 
the 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 point I, I wanted to mention it is that we didn't maybe get to the place of speciation uh, as if it's going on forever by just some it could be the arbitrary coincidence of evolution but mm-hmm. i think it would be interesting i don't know what your point of view is that you know at some point maybe 30000 years ago when we were living somewhere in cruel places it did make sense to maybe hunt some species oh, of so so i would like of to course, you know give yeah. that context and then we can come here so yeah no one thinks that this is a disconnected conversation yeah, right? no, yeah, 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 yeah 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 of course so i mean um it's exactly what it is you know thousands of years ago um humans had no other choice than to hunt animals and even when they hunted animals they didn't hunt that much just because hunting required so much energy that they didn't afford to waste especially if you're going hungry you know you're not going to waste all your energy for days just to hunt on one huge animal um so but they did the hunt animals and it was out of survival now um people can still argue whether or not it's the right thing to do one thing we can all agree on is when you are in survival mode you don't really think about morality or ethics or all these things and i don't i don't even think that um i don't even know how i would react in survival mode you know that's there's a story of um a plane that crashed i don't know in which um country um but it crashed on a mountain and there were some survivors you know and um in order to survive one guy had to um eat his own dead grandmother's flesh you know in today's society when you don't have to do it for survival that's one of the most sickening things you can do but in survival mode everything changes so did we at some point in history have to do that to survive yeah that's that's a fact you know we had to do that but just because we did it in the past does it justify to continue doing so you know there's so many things that we would do in survival mode but they wouldn't be justified if we're doing it when we're not in survival mode um there's also um the theory that um when people started selling settling down you know with the agriculture and everything that started um and they started having their farms so instead of keeping on moving from one place to another civilization started that's also when they started realizing how they can start exploiting animals so you keep the animals you breed you breed the specific ones that you like that are producing more milk or this or that and then uh, the animals also became kind of a currency because it's it's like a valuable belong belonging right there even the, they say with capitalism you know capital comes from the latin word which is like the head of an animal because that was the currency at the time um at a certain time in the past of course so we definitely have a past that um for certain conditions made us do this thing the question is how do we in this day and age justify still doing it you know if again if in survival mode you had to kill someone that doesn't mean that today like randomly walking down the street you can kill someone <laughs> no it's true true i yeah. agree I, i it's uh, it's interesting some people even say that agricultural society is the one and i think i can quote a book sapien you will know yes. yeah yeah where even the um women became property yes somehow because of that systematic uh, understanding of collection yeah. and then you know trading off your debt through uh, females yeah so so of course that uh, we can imagine that how speciation could have formed yeah. and even though if uh, well we we all love people who are close to us we all have this empathy uh, scenario of in group out group in whatever scenario we are talking about so yeah we might have liked more animal more and maybe less some of them just because of our survival and uh, whatever i've heard in the books regarding relations which human uh, which we we forget that we are also animal yes of course walking on the earth that's that's the part where we do forget a lot we yeah. put a tie on we think that that's it that's just separates us from another animal but and that gives us rights maybe to you know treat anything we want however we want mm-hmm. but maybe this is a good example um you say that okay so we are you know now have this opportunity to maybe rethink some of the core aspects of our human diet maybe what we we have been doing it forever i think it's the same thing to do with trauma human trauma i have had a conversation and and it's it's insane that um uh because our parents and our parents of our parents had huge traumas and we passed that on yes. and same habits we passed that on so i just see this parallel that's why i wanted to mention it but now we do have enough space 
for our next generation to think that do we want to pass on that trauma or do we want to process it yeah. at this point so i see like this parallel what you are saying i i, I think it might be a good, do you have something to say about it uh, if you no, i i find that actually i uh, i've read not not so much about it but i've read about it before um and and it's it's a really good point and and it, we also have to take into consideration the amount of conditioning that there is when it comes to this you know um of course maybe i don't know hundreds of years ago the conditioning that people had was much more stronger when it came um to enslaving other people you know or or being um sexist or something like that but with time as the conditioning goes down it's easier to talk about this subject when it comes to exploiting animals the conditioning is still very strong that's why it becomes a polarizing subject as you said yes But yes yeah. yeah so maybe in now coming to the modern context even though if you fundamentally believe that uh you know ethically it is f- death or a killing of something a life form is fine mm-hmm. if it's not suffered okay maybe you want to be- maybe that's what we believe so to reduce this kind of friction and to reduce this kind of argument i think it would be interesting that regardless of that what is the role of actually sustaining a food habit like that in this era i think if we start from that point of view that you know even if what you know if you, you, you can we can believe that okay that's fine but still practically let's say you just want to talk about yourself and your food source and yeah. you, the planet you are at i mean what how much this kind of factory farming or this kind of diet is impacting our planet and sustainability yeah so um there's so many studies uh, to begin with a study that was published by the united nations itself they came to the conclusion and they said um to uh, prevent the worst impacts of climate change the world has to switch to plant-based diet. And the reason why the studies are showing this is because the 60 billion land animals that are that we are breeding into existence every single year demand so much resources until they are killed and consumed. So, for example, 15,000 liters of water for 1 kilo of beef. Is it really worth it 15,000 kilos of water, you know? So, the impact is massive when it comes to the marine animals, you know. We kill 2.7 trillion marine animals every single year that's a number that the human brain cannot even comprehend the only way to understand what that is is to bring it down to per second that's 84,000 marine animals per second which is why scientists are now saying you know by 2048 we're going to have fishless oceans um again when it comes to sustainability and environmental impact up to 46% of the plastic in the ocean is uh, it comes from discarded uh, fishing nets It's interesting because we have all these people who want to stop using plastic straws to save the fish but no one wants to stop eating the fish to save the fish <laughs> which is a much more direct and impactful conclusion. Um when it comes to all the waste that comes out of the slaughterhouses the farms it goes directly into our ecosystems it's the number one cause of creating ocean dead zones number one cause of species extinction the amazon rainforest 90% of the deforestation is caused by animal agriculture. the recent fires in the amazon rainforest were also admitted by farmers uh, uh, well they were doing it to make room for more cattle grazing for more um crops to grow to feed these animals you know some people say you know well um soy is destroying the amazon rainforest and vegans are eating soy well 90 per- 92% of that soy is going for animal agriculture it's the food that we are growing for these animals so the impact is massive you know there is also there's enough food like we grow enough food to feed 11 billion people but the thing is we're putting it into the wrong place we're giving it to the animals so that we can eat some animals instead and most of those crops a lot of these crops actually come from countries where 24,000 children die every day because of malnutrition and the food is just being exported to be given to a cow so that someone in the west can have a piece of steak you know now don't get me wrong i'm not saying if everyone went vegan suddenly there's not going to be any world hunger it is a fact that we're wasting so much resources just for like our taste buds you know is it really worth it you know um scientists are saying we have 11 years to to start really seeing climate collapse what are we going to do about it you know um, i love the campaigns against um the 
the let's say uh, all the industries are destroying the the environment but a lot of these campaigns are based on industries um, such as coal mining for example that we don't really have direct impact on like what what are you and i doing every single day that we can right now stop from doing that's going to impact the coal mining industry not much but when it comes to animal agriculture we have massive power we're doing it at at least three times a day there was a a year and a half ago i think in october 2018 there was a study by the oxford university biggest of its kind comparing human diets and their impact on the environment the lead author said that um, going vegan is the single most important thing you can do to reduce your impact on the environment more than um, buying an electric car and more than reducing your flights so these are the numbers and the statistics that are coming from peer-reviewed studies. It's not coming from PETA or animal equality or vegan organizations, you know. Um, personally, I never take my data or the numbers that I use from vegan organizations because I don't I don't need to, you know, the, the science is there. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe you might be able to clarify that a lot of uh, Amazon jungle has been impacted by vegetation and kind of an ecological desert which we yeah. create plant certain one specific thing so that that also impact a lot of wildlife but i was thinking that a lot of it is agriculture but you're saying that the agriculture is actually not over there used for the humans is actually used for uh, animals most of it most of it yes. okay yeah most of it but if we do shift mm. uh, in this huge uh, capacity let's say in 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 well i it's it seems harder that everyone would be able to shift that quick so it's mm-hmm. a, it's a gradual process yes. but okay hopefully we'll find a way uh, like a nice transition way and more sustainable way but for the sake of argument in 20 years maybe 50% of the population you know is i know i know i know but but let's 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 for the sake of argument Uh, let's reduce it 40%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We can stick to 50. I don't know. Okay, 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 okay. So 50, 50. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. So 50% of the uh, population, let's say, is, okay, now on a vegan diet. Um, but just looking from a point of view, practical point of view of sustainability, what resources we have available, do you think that would still impact uh hugely uh, as compared to what land areas we need for animals and what land areas we need just if we are only having yeah. vegetarian diet would that also affect mm-hmm. the deforestation like how is the all right so um if let's say 50% of the world was eating a plant based diet then we would need much less land for agriculture think about it this way there's almost 10 times more of these land animals that we're breeding into existence 60 billion of them almost 10 times as humans do you know how much these animals eat per day they eat so much like a cow a pig like they have to keep on eating so compared to how much one human eats a day it's nothing you know i mean it's it's much more what the human eats is nothing compared to the animals so the immediately the amount that you're producing is going to be less but not only that because let's say now we're breeding 30 billion land animals because half the world is plant based well there's already all this space that you're not going to need them anymore because 30 billion land animals less need food um which means that if 3 to 4 billion humans were eating plant based you have more than enough space and if anything you are you can use all the spaces that were being used to grow crops for animals to um reforest the earth you know that that's an important thing as well because um i don't want to make it seem like if the world went vegan it's going to solve everything it, that's just it's it's not a fact it's not going to be like that it's not like we switch and then it's over no we have to reforest the earth not only that we have to look into monocultures you know how badly are they affecting the soil the environment and everything else so i would definitely say it's not going to solve everything but i would also say it's definitely the first step that we should be taking to go forward so this was all about this this point was about that okay if we even remove human suffering out of the question even if you're looking from a very pragmatic point of view these are the scenarios these are the things we should we should be really thinking i mean even if you are thinking about your future generation or even if you are thinking just as your individual responsibility mm-hmm. for being in the world and you know uh, being gifted maybe if you consider your life to be gift like what are we leaving uh, after yeah. after you know we pass by 
So now let's include the factor of uh, animal suffering into this conversation by talking more about factory farming. And I, um, I don't think I have met anyone at this point who I've talked to and have explained. Maybe some, some people didn't really know the extent of what factory farming means. And yeah. that is actually a big spread thing. Like not many people still, yeah. even if they know a little bit, they try to push it mm-hmm. away unconsciously. And of course, it's a painful thing to you know think about it. So maybe it would be interesting if you somehow explain us the the concept of factory farming and the ground realities because okay. I'm assuming you, yeah. you yeah, yeah so basically factory farming is to it's basically putting as many animals in one place as possible just to make it more profitable um, ethically speaking of course um, when it comes to animal rights it's not a question of welfare um, uh, we don't fight against factory farming we fight against animal farming in general um, but of course as you said, the majority of the population is against factory farming. But still, they wouldn't really think about it in their day-to-day lives because they're so conditioned, of course. Or maybe they, they, they're ignorant, they don't, know, they don't have the information, you know, it's not their fault. Um, one thing we don't know about factory farming, so it's one of the worst crimes, I would say, of humans, one of the, one of the worst crimes. Another thing that we know now is that, uh, this is where it gets really interesting, if you're going to eat animal products, it's more sustainable to eat factory farm products because they did the studies and they looked at the numbers. If you have um, a cow grazing you know, outside, first of all, you're no longer using all the, um, all the food that the factory farms use because, uh, well, they're using antibiotics as well and growth hormones and everything. So the cow lives much less and then gets sent to slaughter than the cow that is living outside in the fields eating from the grass. And the more the cow outside lives, the more um, she or he will eat, drink, and also produce methane, which is up to 100 times worse as a greenhouse gas in the, in, in the atmosphere than CO2. So the impact of a cow that is outside is much worse on the environment than a factory farm. And, and this is where it gets really interesting because a lot of people, you know, when I'm doing activism, I start talking to someone and say, oh, but I'm, I don't eat factory farm. I only eat local food, you know. Like, why is that? And they say, well, I care about animals, but also for the environment. Well, then you're going to have a contradiction because you care about the animals. So you're not buying from factory farms. I would say if you care, you should never buy in the first place. But then you care about the environment. And if you do, then you should buy from factory farms. You know, okay. So it becomes like a difficult um, um, situation where people have to realize, okay, factory farming, of course, is a horrible thing. Um, it's literally made to... I mean, I, I've, been, I've been inside one factory farm um, of pigs. And it, it's, it's just like... Just rows after rows after. I have actually not only pigs, chickens as well. Uh, I think up to 100, 150,000 egg-laying chickens just in cages next to each other. It's it's such an intense place. It's just it's such an emotional thing to experience. And then you walk out and you realize like, what have we done? Like, what are we doing to them? How could we justify this? You know. By the way, I used to love eggs were my favorite meal as a non-vegan. Um, Loved eating chickens as well, you know, loved eating steak as well. Went hunting. So I'm not coming from a moral high ground or anything. I I'm, I wasn't the most vegan person, like, growing up. But when it comes to factory farming, you know, it's it's, it's a horrible thing. And I, I wish everyone who's against factory farming would realize that, all right, if, if I'm against it, I will stop. But also, if I stop because I believe it's wrong to harm animals, then as the next step, or immediately also stop consuming all animal products altogether so um <coughs> there is uh yeah there is there's a clear dilemma over here but um do you do you think if uh, we stop um uh, consuming these especially the animals we have bred into existence existence uh what would be the future of it i mean um, d- do you think that means some of the people would still eat, so we would still have to keep them? Yeah. Uh, so what would happen, as you said earlier, like it's not going to happen overnight. It's a gradual thing. And these industries, they, they're just like they're following the demand, you know. So as the demand goes down, so will the supply. And eventually, if you're breeding 60 billion now, maybe in five years it becomes hopefully 50 billion. And then that goes down and down and down. 
until if it ever reaches zero, it will be zero. If not, if it finds a balance between 10 to 20 billion, I, I hope that's not the case. But um, yeah, the industry will only breed whatever the customers are demanding. This is also why I really like concentrating on the customers, you know, because they're not just producing for the sake of producing. They're producing because there's profit in it. And if we just take that profit away, they're going to switch to something else. Okay, so, um, well... So we, if we move, um, let's say, as, as we're saying, we're moving towards this one scenario. We're not talking about like the ultimate solution here. We're talking <laughs> about the first step. Yes. And, and, and the, the problem maybe sometimes is that, okay, well, we, we can imagine that everyone, you know, is, let's say, a vegetarian diet. That doesn't solve the problem, as you said. Do, do you think that one of our biggest problem ultimately is at this point overpopulation on this planet? I mean, what's your view on this? Yeah, um, good question. I do believe that overpopulation is a problem. I've, I've read a few articles about it. I also believe that it's not always overpopulation. It's having kids in certain areas. For example, full family in Ethiopia, for example, would consume so much less than a couple and their child in the middle of London. You know, their impact on the environment, you know, um, whether that's from, I don't know, transportation to iPads and computers and laptops and toys and this and that. The impact of a Western family is so much higher than the impact of other um, areas in the world. I do believe that there is a certain question of um, overpopulation that we should be looking at. Um, I think, you know, if you look at a lot of wild animals, when they live in a certain area and they realize that they have overconsumed the amount, like the plants that they rely on, like herbivore animals. At one point, they start breeding less because they understand, okay, we have to slow down now until nature like finds itself again and then we continue. We humans, we're just like one after the other. Like we don't have the knowledge about it. We, we, we're so disconnected. You know, you said like we forget that we're animals. We're so disconnected from our own nature that we don't even think like is it really smart in this day and age to bring more people into existence so i do believe overpopulation is a problem um, both because of the consumption of animal products but also because of the consumption of electronics or just the, the impact of every single human being on the environment yeah well the one thing which i noticed when i moved to uk uh, from pakistan was that how many times i was filling up my dustbin Yes. <laughs> I mean, that was a very strange realization. I, I, I got, I was, fr two years later when I was really integrated somehow in this society, I was really frustrated. <laughs> I was seriously, I, because I remember, because I was the one who is generally, because the youngest one in our house, so uh, used to take out, you take bin. out the trash. Yeah, 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 yeah. take out the trash over there. And then here, I'm thinking how many packs I'm yeah. just packing. And that was one of, just a small thing was that okay this is even this just how much trash yeah, one per definitely one person is generating That's here so it's, true. It's, yeah yeah okay so um i mean the other other, other aspect uh, of uh, a question would be about i find it it's it's a, it's if we want people to transition somehow uh, i find it hard uh, somehow i find it hard it's a harder way if we somehow encourages the guilt aspect of humanity and then ask them to transition for some reason i don't know it's okay. a, it's my intuition mm -hmm. and a lot of this conversation does bring a lot of guilt um, do you think is there i mean is there a way where we do recognize the guilt we feel but maybe not actually get bogged down by the f one thing which could allow us to, you know, to, you know, move forward. So guilt yeah. is brilliant to show you the mirror. Yeah. But now it actually eats your own uh, capacity to yeah. move forward. So. Good question. Actually, I do believe that guilt is very important because once you feel guilt, you feel, I mean, the reason why you feel guilt is because you feel a certain responsibility and you're not going to change until you realize how much responsibility you have. However, I do believe that if an activist or anyone talking to someone else, um, realizes the person got to that point of feeling guilt, they should follow that with motivation. You know, um, you can't just guilt someone and then just leave them and go. There, um, There's an amazing quote that says, um, people don't remember what you said, they remember how you made them feel. 
So you can do street activism and, and have someone crying their eyes out watching the videos and feeling horrible about what they've done. If they didn't walk away with a feeling of feeling motivated, you know, like I'm going to change this. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to stop consuming animal products. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an activist. They're just going to walk away upset. And that's just going to take them down. You know, it's 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 not going to necessarily make them see, all right, what should I do about this? So we do. I do think that we as activists um, have the moral responsibility to, to encourage and motivate others to take steps forward, not just stop at guilt. Yeah, so um, maybe it would be a good point to make this distinction, as you have already done, that there are some places where it's you know more sustainable to, let's say, have kids or mm. more sustainable to have certain type of diets. Uh, if... I mean, the reason why you are not actually doing a tour in uh, India, Pakistan and Bangladesh at this point is because it is a hard place uh, to actually find that kind of food. Mm-hmm. So so the, you do believe somehow in, in, in a, in a respo- shifting responsibility or maybe at some places there are more responsibility. I um, yeah, yeah. No, no, go for it go for it um so i actually have two friends who are uh, who have been traveling in india for all, i think more than a year now um meeting local activists uh, i've never been to india or or pakistan or uh, anywhere else in that area so i i, I couldn't speak for them but i, I he, he, they are one of my closest friends so uh, we speak almost on a daily basis you'd be surprised by how easy it is for the people there but i think that that's the same everywhere I think what happens is once you go vegan, there's this like a period of seven to eight, nine days where you're like, I don't know what to eat. You know, like you freak. Like I went vegan. I ate pasta the first three days. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly my, my mind, like my brain just blocked. You know, it, I couldn't think of anything else. You know, when even when I wasn't vegan, there were so many vegan things that I was eating. Um, so as long as you have access to the staple plant-based foods like rice and beans and lentils and and you know when it when it comes to i know like um, there's so many indian dishes that are um vegan as well plant-based foods um once you pass that one week to 10 days then it's done then it's over you know for the rest of your life what you can and you can't eat you know or what you choose not to eat of course um personally i i'm not doing um these talks let's say in those countries for the same reason why my friends are also shifting their type of activism you know they used to they used to sometimes give talks but now they're shifting into working with local activists so that local activists do these things because it's much more it's much better for like an indian citizen to identify with another indian activist i say yeah of course this person also lives in my city if they can be vegan i can be vegan you know so my friends are concentrating on that now which is really amazing it's also giving like a huge platform for all these activists to realize they're not alone you yeah. know there's activists all around the world um so i think it's it's important for people all around the world to do activism or help local activists in whatever way they can i also believe that for example if i'm in the uk or in belgium or anywhere else in europe i have experienced how easy it is so i can tell people if someone tells me in the uk yeah i want to go vegan but you know like i love sausages i can tell him where to go to get vegan sausages you know yes um but but again not like that small inconvenience should be an obstacle but it's 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 good to easily point out what people can do to make the transition easier and faster true true the one one aspect i was mentioning is that it's comparatively some places might be a bit harder mm-hmm. to if you're yes yeah definitely that's that's was De- yeah. definitely some for example i'm sure like there are some countries where you're not gonna walk into the supermarket and see all the options that you have here in the uk like um, as I was saying, I was at Newcastle University yesterday. They had a small supermarket inside, and I wanted to have something quick to eat. And it took me 15 minutes to decide because there are so many options in just <laughs> a small supermarket and small building in the university. I was telling my friends, "You guys are so spoiled. You know what is this? Like inside the university." But obviously, probably in another country, as you said, they're not going to have the same options. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, um, w- one thing. Um, maybe it would be good to bring it is that um if we um let's say uh, 
is there is there a place we, because you've done hunting you know mm-hmm. if if we is do we need somehow at some point at some scenario you know uh people who do eat meat through hunting process which is completely removed mm-hmm. from uh whatever society's uh factory farming is and so it's it's sustainable so you solve the question of sustainability because there'll be less number of people who mm-hmm. might be doing it now why they want to do it the motivations and i mean it's it's very complicated because they explain it in a different way they say they do actually love it and that's one of the reasons why they do it somehow mm-hmm. feel more connected to the nature but would you think there is a space for that kind of um space yeah um absolutely not because okay. um i mean the only argument that i have seen to getting close to kind of justifying hunting is uh, when they say population control you know there is a certain type of uh, certain species of animal that uh, is getting out of control and then the government or the state gives permits to hard hunters to um kill as many as they can or a certain amount at mm. least um the reason why i think that even that isn't justified is is the following if we are going to justify killing a species because of their impact on the environment then why is it not justified to kill humans because of our impact on the environment we are the worst species out of all of them you know that are destroying the planet more than any others probably all of them put together combined we're going we're destroying more but we would never justify going around killing people and saying you know we got to help the environment we got to put the numbers down we'd never do that now what is the other solution i think it's very simple the reason why they don't use the other solution is because animals don't have rights and they're not considered in our moral community so they don't put enough effort and funding into the other solution which would be spaying and neutering these animals you know is it still like i'm not happy with that but i would really prefer you neuter an animal and then release them again and let them live their lives than you just kill them because at the end of the day you you're not here to to act like okay we're destroying more but this poor animal you know they're also getting out of control so we're going to kill them now now another thing we have to take into consideration is that a lot of times these animals that are being hunted because of um, their population number they're being hunted because there's no more uh, predators left and what is the main reason that predators are being killed is because for example in the states they kill millions of wild animals predators to protect livestock farms so yes. from the beginning animal agriculture is still the cause of the problem you know and and you can get the numbers i forgot which department it was um in the us government but they have all the numbers of how many wolves they kill how many bears you know they like massacre by the millions to protect animal farms so and then what happens there's a certain animal that is usually the prey of these wolves or the, these other animals that start getting out of control and then we end up killing them as well well if you didn't have animal animal agriculture in the first place you wouldn't have to deal with these things so i i think what happens with with these scenarios is we're just dealing with the symptoms that that's not a solution you know so yeah okay yeah brilliant uh so maybe it might be to to maybe go into more specification now towards what might be the misconceptions people would have which you have heard about vegan diet mm-hmm. when it comes to nutrition when it comes to how diverse it is yeah uh it might be really good to really hear from you because you have a lot of experience yeah so um again number one cause as you said is uh, a number one um, misconception is um nutrition everyone thinks uh, not everyone a lot of people think it's not healthy well the leading nutrition and dietetic centers around the world have all confirmed including the British Dietetic Association have confirmed that a balanced vegan diet supports healthy living in people of all ages including pregnancy including infancy what that inherently means is that eating animal products is completely unnecessary so these are not again these are not vegan organizations you know british dietetic association they're not a vegan organization american dietetic association they're not so all around the world they're saying you can you can still be vegan and be healthy you know plus even healthier in some cases if you're eating a whole foods plant based diet for example that's the one of the healthiest diets i was checking some of the stats when it comes to the uk one in two in the uk will be diagnosed in, of cancer um 
in this day and age, um, and cancer kills around, I think, 450 patients every single day, making it the second cause of death after heart disease. Literally the only diet that has proven scientifically to reverse, prevent, or cure heart disease is a whole foods plant-based vegan diet. There's a, there's a reason why all these doctors around the world are saying, telling their patients, you know, you want to get out of medication, just go vegan, you know, eat, eat whole foods plant-based diet. Um, the cholesterol issues, arthrosclerosis, like there's so many health-related issues that are caused from eating animals that could be prevented or even reversed if you just eat a plant-based diet. So it's really unfortunate, but it's it also shows how much propaganda this industry has been using against us, you know, uh, telling you that you need, eat, you, you need to eat meat for protein. Like, in 2020, we still think that you need to eat meat. I mean, I'm not blaming anyone who thinks that, but that's how far they have conditioned us, you know. They have actually managed to convince adult human beings, including myself in the past, that for some reason, I, as an adult human being, need to drink the breast milk of a mother of another animal. That's how, like, if that's not brainwashing and propaganda, I don't know what is, you know. And, 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 and again, don't take my word for it. Go do the research. Go read the, the articles of the British Dietetic Association, American Dietetic Association. Look at their stance on healthy, balanced vegan diets. They're all going to say the same thing. So... That's one of the first, uh, the, the highest misconception, I would say. The second one, I would say um, convenience. A lot of people think or believe that it's not going to be very convenient. But again, I promise, after that first week or 10 days, you're going to get used to it. Because once you know what are the things that contain eggs or milk and things like that, then you're done. You're done forever, and especially if you live in the UK. <laughs> like, literally, I haven't had... I still... I've been coming to the UK back and forth um, for the past almost two years. Not even once did I have a situation where I was like, damn, I don't know what I'm going to eat. It, it just, like, it doesn't exist. It hasn't happened yet. Um, and it's only getting easier. So convenience, although the first days you're going to think it's inconvenient, I promise you'll get over it. The other thing also is about the uh, diversity of uh, vegan diet. Oh yeah, which which I which I I was blown away <laughs> by by that. It's because what we have heard till now is that oh, it's just few things. Yeah, you, yeah. you go eat your grass. Yeah, you know, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah, yeah. You, you look into it and you find out there's seventy five thousand edible plants, and we're obsessed about eating five dead animals and what comes out of their bodies. I have never eaten a diet that is as strict and limited as a non vegan diet. I used to eat the same thing. You know, you eat. Um, meat and rice you have a chicken sandwich you have eggs you have some yogurt with something else that's it over and over and over again i went vegan and all of a sudden i didn't even go vegan because of the food and all of a sudden i was like wow like the amount of things i can eat this is amazing you know obviously it took some time until i realized that but the abundance of plant-based foods is just everywhere you know all the vegetables the legumes and and grains and nuts and seeds, like the amount of things you can make with them, you know. Non-vegan milk, what do you get? Goat milk and cow milk, most of the places. Maybe in some countries, what, camel milk? Or I don't know. Same yeah. things, three. Well, you get oat milk, rice milk, coconut milk, hazelnut milk, um, soy milk, almond milk, you know, like hemp milk, you know. And, and these are actually healthy, you know, <laughs> unlike the breast milk of other animals which is, is just not made for us, you know? So definitely not a limited diet, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, two, two things, and then one one uh, scenario to, to maybe, you know, encompass, because we talked about the easiness of yeah. these things. I do want to point what I feel may be a very hard thing to transition, like an emotionally, from an emotional point of view. But... Um, if you have chickens, let's say, I guess that 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 is the scenario which I've heard, and I feel like that this seems like that if you have just chicken in your home and house, and they give egg, mm -hmm. there's no harm in eating those eggs because they're just gonna go to waste anyway. If I'm correct, um, finish and then I would. Um, or, or uh, this is finish? my question. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. good question. So backyard eggs, you know, the, the the situation of like, yeah, you have some chickens in your backyard and they're laying some eggs. What do you do with them? Is it okay to take them? Is it ethical to take them? Um, basically what happens I, I don't believe it's ethical and, and for the following reason 
Um, the eggs are the unfertilized reproductive system of chickens. Um, it means that there's no life in it. It's not, it's not fertilized. Um, it's the equivalent of the human uh, ovulation. And uh, similar to humans, um, similar to women, um, chickens are, used, are supposed to have their ovulation between 12 to 16 times a year. But because of her, over the past decades or 100 or 200 years, they have been so specifically bred or genetically modified um, in this day and age, chickens lay, uh, chickens lay up to um, 360 eggs. Mm -hmm. So they have their ovulation almost every single day of the year. Now, you and I would never understand what that feels like, but any woman um, who ovulates can understand and identify how uh, unpleasant that is. Not only that, the, the process of laying an egg is very painful for a chicken. Um, simply because of the proportion of the size, their, their body and the egg. It's, it's not an easy process. It's a painful one. And in the process of laying an egg, they also lose a lot of nutrients, mostly calcium, uh, because of the, the shell. Um, so when you take away the egg, and this has been um, observed by a lot of people, when you take away the eggs um, from your backyard chickens, um, it makes them anxious and makes them feel like they have to lay another one. And in the process of laying another one, they're going to be suffering. Now, other than that, what I've done before with rescued chickens, you take the egg and you break it in front of them for them and they eat it back. They love it. They go crazy on it because they can gain some of the nutrients back for their own body, the ones that they lost specifically. So not our eggs, it's their eggs. So if, if you actually want to be mindful and, and careful and, and help them, you know, if there's like some eggs that are just there, just break it in front of them and, and they'll eat it. Now, another thing that is not def like specifically on a physical harm level um, is the idea that the second you take something from an animal, you are confirming that animals are similar to resources. And in that process, you are taking part in speciesism. So um, any person who is consuming animal products is not helping the world become more anti-speciesist you know so for ideological reasons as well i don't consider it moral okay uh, the other other part i was thinking is that many people have tried it in this day and age and they, uh, i would consider i would trust them you know just take what they are saying on their word i've not been them when they were being vegan every day but i do consider them morally accurate when they are reporting back and some of them find it really easy and some of them found it not not hard in a way that they couldn't actually find what they're eating. They're actually the people who could afford it most mm -hmm. easily or the people who just happen to have better community of vegan people around it, but they just somehow the body or somehow yeah. whatever the report is. Now, scientifically, it's it's like some of the studies would say something and some of the studies would say yeah. the other thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a murky waters out there. But... If that's the case with various certain individuals, that makes it harder for them because they do believe it if that's the reason why they have been doing it for three to four years. And some yeah. of them were doing it for five years and then they just have to somehow, you know, shift on other kind of diet. I mean, what is this? Yeah. So, um, again, scientifically speaking, doctors until today are looking for one medical condition that would make it impossible for someone to be vegan, and there isn't any. There are indeed medical conditions that make it complicated. If you have certain allergies, of course it could be complicated, but not impossible. But again, that's a very, very small percentage of humans who can't do it because of certain medical allergies, and still it would only make it complicated. Now, when it comes to people who do it for some time and then they realize that their body isn't reacting well to it, if the science is saying that you can do this and be healthy and you realize that you don't feel healthy, what does that mean? There's something you're not doing well. It's very simple. Go to a nutritionist, a plant-based nutritionist, a plant-based medical doctor and tell them, I've been vegan, I don't feel very well. I want to do a blood test. Do a blood test, check your levels, check your iron. Like in, um, in women, for example, it's very common to have iron uh, deficiency issues. Not only vegan women. Actually, there's I have friends who got rid of their iron deficiency when they switched to a vegan diet. But again, that doesn't mean that's going to happen with everyone. Some people can have that difficulty. So do a blood test. Check what it is that your body is missing 
and then work on fixing that instead of giving up on the diet and start eating animals instead, which has been proven scientifically as an unhealthy source of food. So this whole thing of stopping from being vegan started um, around a year ago, actually, when a bunch of social media influencers or YouTubers started um, giving up, the, let's say, the vegan plant-based diet and making health claims. Some of these people were fasting. There was one person, excuse me for the vocabulary, but he was drinking his own piss and fasting for up to 30 days. And then he made a video saying he's not vegan anymore because he ate some animal products and he felt better. And everyone was like, you literally fasted. I think it was 36 days. You depleted your body of all the nutrition and the nutrients, actually. And then you're blaming the vegan diet for it, you know? There was another YouTuber, um, a woman who made all these claims, like, it did this to me, and it did that, it did that to me. A quite famous medical doctor made a response video destroying her, telling her, are you aware that you are not specialized to make these claims. You don't have the right to make these claims. There's hundreds of thousands of people who follow you. You have such a big responsibility and you're spreading misinformation about nutrition. And the doctor actually explained why she had what she had. There was another case, again, sim very similar. Uh, a vegan nutritionist actually, who was also a famous YouTuber, reached out to her and said, you know, I can offer you free help to help you get back to vegan. And the person just didn't take it, take it. You know, like, what is happening here? It's, it's very simple. Um, another one, actually, a third one, she, she's, she made some claims, you know, I, I don't feel good, I feel weak, this and that. People went on her website and checked all the, her own meal plans, okay? And it turns out that her own plans were in calorie deficit. So she wasn't even consuming enough food like that she needs like a human needs in the day-to-day -day life and then she's surprised that she's feeling weak of course you're gonna feel weak you know you can eat the healthiest food if you don't eat enough calories a day you're not gonna be healthy so when these things started what happened was some people who are maybe not eating well said oh i think i had the same symptom you know but then instead of talking to a professional who understands the subject they just gave up on the diet Unfortunately, this this is one of the downsides of social media. Yeah, this you know. this is the reason why I wanted to brought it up because this has been mentioned a lot of time, as you said, last year or a couple of years. Yeah. So maybe to maybe end it. Yeah. Um, the humans uh, have been eating and hunting and different kind of diets. We know that we have wide variety of diet and probably mostly we used to eat vegetables that's or vegetable diet yeah. that's why still even even really recently it was told to us that yeah you, know, you should limit your meat as much as yeah. possible so uh, but the meat was part of our existence yeah. since we were very young so it is something which is as you say condition wise mm -hmm. and also part of part of our bodies forever so to ask this step uh, where whatever the reason is, where it's your love for other life form, where it's speciation, where it is sustainability, whatever it is. And if you are considering that if you leave all of that and just look for your own reason in your heart mm -hmm. um, and you think that, okay, if I am imagining, you know, in future... I mean, I've I've met people. They said, "I wish I could have a photosynthesis kind of a diet from." <laughs> yeah, it's. I was like, "Okay, this is funny," but but it does. You know, let let for a thought experiment. If a diet, you do have a diet in a way that it is not something where you do mass vegetation, which kills, which creates an Armageddon for insect insects. Also, you know, there's there's like yeah. being alive is just. As long as you're alive, there's some impact. Yes, That's there's some sure. impact. There's yeah. no, you know, but let's say you get to the point where there is like the minimum aspect of impact and you are somehow type two civilization, you know, according yeah. to, yeah. So still, I think still even everyone agrees to that 100%. It's a very hard thing we are asking. Mm -hmm. The only point why I wanted to mention it because I feel like it too. So I'm sure many people other would feel like it. And, uh, we do say that it is the, the, the once you make the step 
the things are available you can definitely so we pointed that all out mm-hmm. but i think it is worth uh give gi- like putting this kind of uh, pain or putting this kind of let the resistance and letting go the difficulty of the task maybe paying its due right now so that it doesn't feel like a imbalanced conversation like it's the the reason why maybe maybe many people resist is because this is uh, since our human brain yeah. uh, have been eating on these bone marrows of dead animals that was our niche some, supposedly uh that's somehow have become one with our tendons and everything so i mean yes we do agree uh, not me and you i mean as a human beings we do mm-hmm. agree in uh, what steps you said we should take but I wanted to mention it that it does seems like it's a hard step to ask and that is my maybe you think that uh, you, you want to dedicate your life to something like that I mean am I getting it to uh, from a angle which makes sense or Yeah I understand what you're saying so when it comes to how long we have been doing this for um uh there's so many things that we have done since since we can remember we have killed since since we know i mean we have raped enslaved tortured stolen all the horrible things that we're doing today we have always done it but just because we've done something for such a long time doesn't necessarily mean we should continue another thing is that our bodies didn't really survive because of meat or animal products they survived despite animal products there was a study that came out a few years ago that said our brains grew larger because we ate meat the study was immediately debunked by an actual peer reviewed study that showed that our brains because of the fact that there's nothing in meat that the brain needs for it to function our our brain needs um carbohydrates um like starches sorry uh, so because we need starches and cooking food and eating starches is what made our brains uh, become bigger so even evolution wise plant based foods is what help us become where we are i do want to like say as a small note i i read that study around a year and a half ago so if it wasn't starches it was something related to starches if i'm wrong you can check it out um so When it comes to whether or not we should say okay maybe minimize it as much as you can to make it more um let's say acceptable for some people um I would argue that we need uh we need rights for animals we should consider animals as part of our moral community the, the weird thing is that some of them are like dogs and cats you can't hurt them you can go to jail if if you hurt them so they are some in some way a part of the of our moral community but then the others are not just because of their species which again is not really an argument now one thing um that we have to know is that it is a justice based movement it, it's it's a movement based on justice and rights and to see if we believe what you suggested is w- would be something you're comfortable with we have to test if it's morally consistent right um quick question do you believe we would ever reach a world that is completely free of racism i believe that we can do that okay yeah i personally don't i don't okay. believe that we're ever going to have a world unfortunate and i hope i'm wrong yeah. i really hope i'm wrong i don't believe we're ever going to have a world that is completely free of racism completely free of sexism completely free of other types of discrimination and again i hope i turn out to be wrong however that doesn't mean that if i if i'm talking to someone who who let's say like let's say i have a friend who made a racist remark i would talk to him about it i would tell him like for these reasons what you said was wrong if he's being um a bit defensive about it or not very accepting let's say my message i would never say you know what maybe twice a week you can be racist you know so that's a reducitarian approach um i believe if we switch to reducitarianism we we the animal rights message loses its value what i would do in in the example you gave because i also if if you tell me right now you know what sep i like to talk i see your points but i'm not going to go vegan i'm going to reduce it a bit i would not still fight you but i would also make sure that you're aware that that is not enough so what i would say is unfortunately i can't control you you're going to walk out of this door. like you can do even if you say i'm going to go vegan i still don't know if you're going to do it so what i would say is whatever you decide to do after finding out whatever it is if it's not like veganism keep in mind that the minimum that your goal should be veganism 
if for some reason you believe you need more than one week to do that, I would hope that you don't do that. But if that's the only way for you to go vegan, I'm not gonna like keep on. I'm not gonna bash you for it. You know, I'm still gonna encourage you. As we talked earlier, yeah. I'm not gonna stay in the guilt area. Um, I'm I'm gonna encourage you. I'm gonna stay in touch with you. I'm gonna put you in touch with some friends that live in the same area. Send you some information, some resources, some documentaries. You know. Again, because the reducitarianism is, I think, extremely dangerous for any movement, really any movement. I forgot in which country it was. There was an issue with um, men beating up their wives. And um, the local municipality, if I'm not mistaken, municipality, they said, you know what? What if we just say, like, they can only beat up their wives, like, three times a week, you know? And it backlashed. Like, what? No, it, you should just say, don't beat up your wife, you know? Even if people don't do it straight away, the message should be clear of ending the injustice not controlling the injustice so again if you're someone who's not going to go vegan straight away just watch the documentaries while you're doing the transition watch the documentaries don't take my word for it read the studies see the peer-reviewed studies and everything and then keep in mind that the end goal is veganism brilliant brilliant thank you thank you sir thank you thank so you much, so much. Okay, thank you so much thank you brilliant bye people